0: Well, listen, please go ahead and turn in your Bible, please, to Luke chapter 8, if you have one. Today we are celebrating Mother's Day together, a day which actually finds its origin in Britain in the early 1600s. You may not know the story of Mother's Day, so let me tell you momentarily. It was celebrated annually on the first Sunday of Lent. It was on a Sunday because the way it worked is it was the one day a week, one time a year when servants and people that worked for people and employers and apprentices were encouraged to go home and to spend time with their mothers, give them flowers and gifts, often a special fruitcake that they would make and called a sinnel. And for years, that's the way it happened. And as the British Empire grew over many different countries, that tradition uh, went with it all the way around the world until the 1900s. World War I, World War II. No one wanted to do Mother's Day anymore. There was too much going on. Everybody got distracted from it. And yet, in the, after World War II, it was the Americans that really engaged with the idea of Mother's Day again and gave it the typical American razzmatazz that we have in everything else. Today, it is a phenomenon around the world. Millions of cards are sent. Millions of texts are sent. Millions of meals are eaten with our mothers Flowers are given, chocolates, mugs, pajamas, slippers, you name it. It is given to mums on this day. And this day has always been, in all its history, a day to honor and celebrate mothers. And it, the idea of honoring mothers didn't start with Mother's Day. It started with God Himself. And when you pause and look at the Ten Commandments that God has given us, the Fifth Commandment says this, Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Long before Mother's Day originated, God himself said, This is going to be a part of the way you are to live for my glory. You're to honor your father, and you're to honor your mother. And so I wanted to use this day, Mother's Day, to apply that text and honor you as mums by devoting this entire message to you. I believe the Lord wants to address you in particular today as moms. Now I'm aware if you are not a mom you have just heard something that makes you think now I can check out Facebook and not listen anymore. That's not the case. I'm aware there's always a risk whenever we single out any group whether it be fathers or mothers or men or women or married or singles that the rest of the room can start to turn off but I don't want us to do that because we're a family. We all need each other. You know, I love the African proverb that tells us that it takes a village to raise a child. A church is a village. So let's have no one checking out this morning. We all need to be engaged with this. We all need to be leaning in, seeking to learn what the Lord has to say to mothers. And in so many ways, we're all spiritual mothers or spiritual fathers to the various kids that we have out there on a Sunday morning that are a part of the Sovereign Grace family. But if you are a mum, This message is particularly designed for you. And I trust the Lord will meet you and encourage you and encounter you in the high and holy calling that God has placed on your life as a mom. So we're going to look together at Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. This is one of those texts that I think is a well-known story. When we actually went through the Gospel of Luke, we basically overlooked this one by adding it to so many other stories. But I believe the Lord wants to focus us on it today. This is the word of the Lord. One day, he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this? that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your word today. Lord, as we sit under your word once again, we recognize that it is your voice that we are hearing. You, the Godhead, through your spirit, want to encounter our hearts. And so Lord, would that be our story today? Would we be encountered by you? Would we be encouraged and refreshed and strengthened from your word? And would it all be for your glory, particularly with the mothers in mind. Use this, Lord. Amen. Some of you mums are probably already asking yourselves, what on earth has this text got to do with me being a mum? What on earth has this text for about a band of brothers getting into a boat and encountering a sudden storm with waves swamping around the boat and passengers then thinking, I'm going to die. What on earth does that have to do? With you being a mom. And yet I think it's when you pause on this story and take a second look that you realize just maybe this story has more to do with motherhood than we first think. I've had the privilege of serving alongside a very beautiful mother for the past 21 years of my life. Josh is 21 years old in just a couple of weeks time. It's crazy. For all of you, those that have small kids, I still remember carrying them around on one arm. That doesn't happen anymore. It goes like that. It goes in a heartbeat. You can't believe where the time has gone. But for the last 21 years, I've had the privilege of watching Emma being a beautiful mum to our children. And For the last 23 years, as a pastor, I have been able to watch very closely... The way moms operate and the way you think. And there's a couple of different things that have become very clear to me over the years. Firstly, it's become very clear to me that there are many great joys in motherhood. Psalm 127 tells us that children are a gift from the Lord. And they are. They are a gift from the Father of lights himself. To you, and quite evidently and clearly, there are great joys in being a mum. I have watched Emma 's face light up over many years when the kids do different things at different times, moments when her heart is just brimming with pride and love for the children, because they bring her so much joy. And yet, what I 've also discovered about motherhood, having watched it closely are that there are many great challenges in motherhood as well: storms storms in which you can feel tossed around by powerful waves, waves of exhaustion, waves of loneliness at different times, waves of futility, waves of spiritual dryness, waves of guilt as you wonder why you are the worst mum on the planet. And every once in a while as those waves keep coming, you even wonder if you're going to drown and even make it at all. And that's what this text is all about see, there really is nothing new under the sun in motherhood. You know, I think every generation uh, thinks that they're unique. Yeah, I want to burst your bubble there. You're just the same as the last one and the one before. I mean, just listen to this story for a moment. This was an account written by a mother of three small children over 40 years ago, actually, when I was born. See if you can't relate, though, to her story. The day Billy took his first steps, our whole life changed. Now he climbs stairs and teeters at the top with one foot poised in midair. Now when his older brother or sister play Candyland, he can stand in the middle of the game board throwing cards in the air. He pulls ingredients off shelves, he makes Cheerio Mountains and pours olive oil on his head. He wakes up shouting at 5.30am, ready to commence his endless investigation of our decimated house. He goes to bed at 8.30pm and Steve and I then follow soon afterwards. We drop into bed at night with heavy sighs. Three children is a lot, says Steve. I had always wanted three children and maybe more. Of course, I can't imagine life without any of them. It's just that right now, life around here is so grueling. I have to make advance arrangements just to step into the bathroom. I lie awake, projecting into our future. In two years, Billy will be the age that Charlie is now, almost three an age that seems so independent and thrillingly mature by comparison to now. Some days I murmur to Steve, we will have a three-year-old and a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. Someday they will be five, seven, and eleven. Six, eight, and twelve. I spin the different combinations in my head like a gambler dreaming of the perfect hands. I called up a friend who has a child just a few months, ago, months older than Billy. I dialed twice because the first time my son pulls my glasses off. As we talk, he sings into the receiver, which is then wet because he licked it. He grabs my coffee, points at the media player demanding music, and then gets himself tangled up in the extra-long telephone cord. "How long does this strange last?" I asked her. "When does it get easier?" "Search me," she says. "I'm still waiting to. "You know, there really is nothing new under the sun. Whatever generation you are in, there are great joys in being a mother, but there are great challenges, seasons that are specific to your season of life. Being a mom comes with its own set of unique challenges and difficulties, waves. Waves of exhaustion, waves of loneliness, waves of futility and spiritual dryness, waves of guilt. But I believe the Lord wants you to know something this morning believe there's something he wants to burn into your hearts and realize afresh this morning, and it's this. That whatever may come your way as a mom, the Lord Jesus himself is always in your boat. It's so easy to feel alone, particularly if you have preschool children. There's so much going on. But the Lord Jesus himself wants you to know he is in your boat. And what an encouraging and comforting and strengthening reality. I believe that truly is meant to be for each and every one of you. Three points then from the text as we try to understand from God's word, well, what are you doing in the boat with these dear ladies? What are you doing in the boat with them? Three things and here's the first. The Lord is ever present to uphold you. Listen, mums, he's in your boat to uphold you. Look at verses 22 and 23. One day he got into a boat with the disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. On this given day, Jesus himself loads the disciples into his boat with one instruction, I want to go to the other side. It's not a hard ask, I just want to get to the other side. If you look at it in context, particularly, particularly in the Gospel of Mark, you realize this has already been a really long day for Jesus. He's done a ton of teaching with the crowds. He's informed the disciples of different things. He would have no doubt been fatigued. And so he wants to go to the other side of the lake. And this lake, as we know, is also called the Sea of Galilee. And it would appear that as he goes on this lake, he falls asleep, but a great storm then begins to take place. Now, this wouldn't be uncommon to this lake, this Sea of Galilee. One commentator says this about the Sea of Galilee. He writes, violent winds can come across its surface as if they are blowing through a funnel. These winds come without warning. And could turn the tranquil lake into a roaring tempest in a matter of seconds. Even with today's modern equipment, some people refuse to sail on the Sea of Galilee for fear of perishing under the wrath of the lake's violent moods. I love the way he uses words. This lake has violent moods. This lake is like a really bad toddler. Okay? This lake in a moment can turn and moods can take place. And that's what takes place. There are waves breaking into the boat. The boat is filling with water, and the disciples are afraid. Now remember who the disciples are. There's at least four of them in the boat that are seasoned fishermen. They've been on this lake many, many times. But today, they think, this is the day I'm going to meet my maker. I am going to die. James Bloom, in his book, Not by Sight, writes the following. It says, James, the Apostle, the, the Apostle James, James knew this sea. He and John had spent most of their lives on it or in it. His father was a fisherman, and so were most of his male kin and friends. Yet in this moment, his memory flashed the faces of some of them who had drowned in similar unpredictable Galilean windstorms. A seasoned boatman, James was not alarmed easily, but he knew a man-eater when he saw it. And this storm had opened its mouth to swallow them all into the abyss. Surely, terror had been in John's eyes when he grabbed James and yelled, We have to tell the Master! And they stumbled to the stern. How Jesus had remained sleeping while the furious surf tossed their boat around was itself a wonder. And so they woke him, screaming. These disciples are screaming because these disciples are afraid. They Think they are going to die. And this is the Savior's response, verse 24. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. What a scene! There's certain scenes in the Bible that I wish I could have been there for, and this is right near the top of the list. What it would have been like to get a bird's eye view to see these disciples, these burly men, really getting fearful that this is surely the day we're going to die, and then to see when they wake Jesus, him standing momentarily, rebuking the winds, be still. And in a moment, it's still. One minute raging storm. Next minute, silence and calm, because even the wind and the waves obey him. My friends, behold the greatness and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the King of kings and Lord of Lords who is in the boat with them. This is the one who alone is supreme in personhood. He is the image of the invisible God. He is in him the fullness of God dwells bodily. He alone is supreme in creation, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. He's the one who can mark off the heavens with the breadth of His hand. He's the one that can hold all the water of the earth in the hollow of His hand, even the whole Lake of Galilee. If you'd asked Him, how many milliliters are in here? He could have told you it's the exact amount. This is the one who can hold all the dust of the earth in a basket away weigh the mountains in a balance. This is the one who breathed out the stars and not only created them, but names them and numbers them and sustains them so that not one is missing. This is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. And the good news for all of you as mums is he tells you, I am in your boat. I'm with you. You're not alone. You see, in Hebrews 13 verse 5, Jesus himself says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Matthew 28, verse 20, we read, And behold, I will be with you to the end of the age. All the way through Scripture, you're reminded again and again, I'm a very present help in time of need. I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. And both myself and the Father through the Spirit will make our home with you. Indeed, we will be in you. Listen, the Lord himself is in your boat. And he's in your boat to uphold you. There will be some times then as you cry out to him for grace, that he will give you grace for change. That in a moment he may bring that calm that you are wanting. In that moment he may bring an answer to the very thing that you're requesting. And there will be other moments that in his power he will give you grace to sustain you. That this is part of your season. But I am with you to uphold you and help you each and every step of the way. And so moms, I want to encourage you. If you are ever attempted to feel totally alone. It's just me. That's a lie from Satan himself. Because it's never just you. It's always you plus another right there in the boat with you that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you both now and forevermore. Indeed, as you cry out to me, I'll be your help forevermore because I'm I'm in your boat. Is that not a staggering reality? The maker of heaven and earth, the one that spins the galaxies, the one that numbers the stars and names them and sustains them, not one is missing. How much more will he sustain you and help you? And uphold you, having made you in his image and having died in your place, that you may have life and that in abundance. Listen, the Lord is ever present in your boat to uphold you. But that's not all he's doing there. Number two, the Lord is ever present to strengthen you. See, after Jesus rebukes the storm, he then turns and gently rebukes his disciples. And he does it all through one carefully crafted question that comes at the start of verse 25. It says, He said to them, Where is your faith? You know, I've looked at this many times, and at first glance, it can appear a little harsh, can it not? <laughs> Where is your faith? Uh, excuse me, you were having a nap. We were about to die. <laughs> Where is my faith? Are you kidding me? We're dying here! Well, you have a little snoozeroo. You know, what is going on? It can appear a little harsh. They are suffering in a severe windstorm. It did appear to them that they are about to die. And yet when you take a second look at the text, you realize it's not harsh at all. It's not only a gentle rebuke. He's teaching them something. See, when you take a second look, you realize that this whole thing has been a divine setup. When Jesus set up on this trip, when he started and said to him, yeah, guys, we should probably go now. And then he fell asleep. It's not like, oh, surprise, there's a storm. I didn't know it was coming. (laughs) He totally knows it's coming. That's why he's asleep. He's not worried about it. He knew it was coming. You realize it has been a divine setup to teach them something, to help his disciples understand something. What is he trying to help them understand? He's trying to help them understand that even in the storm, He can be trusted. Even when they feel, you must have abandoned me. That's never true. I was always in the boat with you. Always helping you. You had nothing to fear. Where is your faith? See, I think one of the things that we often get wrong in Christianity is that if a trial comes and a storm comes, God must have abandoned me. But that's not true. Because what we're taught in Scripture time and time again is when those storms come, He is right there with you. And He's going to use it in and through you to change you and for His glory. J.C. Rahl, he wisely explains it this way. He says, As Christians, we must learn that Christ's service does not exempt us from storms. Let us mark well this lesson. If we are are true Christians, we must not expect everything smooth in our journey to heaven. We must count it no strange thing if we have to endure sickness and losses and bereavements and disappointments, just like other people. Free pardon and full forgiveness, grace by the way and glory at the end. All this our Savior has promised to give. But he has never promised that we shall have no afflictions. He loves us too well to promise that. By affliction, listen. He teaches us so many precious lessons without which we shall never learn. By affliction, he shows us our emptiness and our weakness, draws us to the throne of grace, purifies our affections, weans us from this world, and makes us long for heaven. Isn't that beautiful? In these storms, he hasn't abandoned you, no. He's working in and through them, both for your good and his glory. He is right there with you. Kent Hughes, in his commentary, carries on with that this way. He says, this is a vital principle of spiritual life. Without difficulties, without trials, without stress and even failures, we would never grow to be what we should become. Storms then, listen are a part of the process of spiritual growth. Isn't that good? Isn't that important to realize? The storms that happen in our lives are part of the process of spiritual life. You know, moms, as you're busy parenting your kids, and you discover this isn't all that easy, and you're trying to parent them, and it feels like a storm. You know what God is doing in that moment? Jesus himself is parenting you. He's parenting you. He's trying to teach you something. He's going after you. He's going after your heart. Where is your faith, daughter? Do you trust me? Do you realize these children are my kids before they're your kids? And actually, you're just a bigger version of them. And I'm parenting you both right now. It's so easy to think in the midst of storms that God has abandoned us, and yet in reality... He's right there with us, teaching us to trust Him all the time. And so for all of you mums, I want to encourage you then to seize these storms in your life as the God-given opportunities that they are. Namely, seasons and moments to grow in your trust of the Lord. Your trust when you can't control all the wind and waves around you. But you can know who is with you and stand firm in Him. Stand firm on the realities and the promises that He will never leave you nor forsake you. Stand firm on the promises that He will always be there to help you and uphold you. And stand firm that He will never let you be tempted more than you can handle. Even in the storms, He can be trusted. He hasn't abandoned you. He's going to use these storms to parent you and strengthen you in your faith. He hasn't abandoned you. He's with you. And then there's a third thing that we see right here in this text. Third thing that he's doing is he spends time with you in the boat. And it's this, number three, the Lord is ever present to justify you. To justify you. Verse 25, He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled to one another. Who then is this? That he commands even winds and water and they obey him. Who then is this? Even these disciples in this moment don't fully understand who Jesus is. They have inklings on things, they have vague understanding on these things, but at this point in the text, they still haven't truly understood who Jesus really is. But as the story concludes and as we look back on it today, we know exactly who Jesus Christ is, do we not? He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one in the boat with him is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, even now in the boat, is on his way to Jerusalem to face a far greater storm. Jesus Christ himself has come on the greatest rescue mission ever told out of love and affection and care for you. He came to face the greatest storm of the wrath of God in your place so that you could be forgiven of your sin and justified before the Father and adopted before Him so that you may never not be close and parented by Him. He came to give you life and that in abundance. As we look back, we know exactly who Jesus is and the great storm that was indeed to come for And as Jesus hangs on the cross and takes that great storm for us, he did it so that you could be justified and forgiven and redeemed and adopted and know for sure that heaven is your home. Listen, mums, I want to encourage you then to never forget that the Lord is ever present in your boat to justify you. Why is it so important that you never forget it? Well, because if you do, guilt and condemnation will be your story of motherhood. See, here's how it works. You have a baby for the first time, and you have decided you are going to be the best mom in the universe. You've read every blog that you possibly can, every book you ever have. You've spoken to everybody about being a mom, and you've decided you will do it entirely different to your parents. Because it's a new generation, It's a new thing that we need to be doing. And you've decided you are going to be the best parent that you can possibly be. And you have three to four wonderful weeks. And before you know it, you start to realize, I'm the worst mom in the world. And as the months go on and as the years go on, even though you had such great hopes for your motherhood, you realize in reality you are not the greatest. You look on Facebook All those other mums, they are the greatest. I am terrible in every way. You know, one of the beautiful things about you ladies, in my observation, is you are diligent to a T. If we were talking about this on Father's Day, I wouldn't use that word. You know, you ladies are diligent. You just keep going and going and going 24-7. I'm going to be a mum. I'm going to be a mum. I'm going to be a mum. The guys there are going, the dudes are going, I need a break. I need a break. The ladies, I'm just doing it. You are so conscientious and so diligent. It is a beautiful thing before the Lord. The challenge is, you like everybody else, you're not perfect, are you? I say, you make mistakes, do you not? You say things to your kids that you realize, I should have never said that. I feel so terrible I said that. You're aware of, they get older, things you should have taught them that you never taught them. Everybody else seems to have taught them those things I didn't teach them those things. You lie in bed at wake at different times as they get older, realizing, I think I may have failed my kids. Because you're diligent and you're conscientious. And here's what happens Satan gets involved in that world and goes, You're right. You're terrible. You're a terrible mom. You have so much to feel guilty about. The way you spoke to that kid, no one else, none of your friends would speak like that. The things that you didn't do, that you should have done for them, you say you love them. Children are a gift from God, but they don't appear to be for you. You seem to just be putting up with them. Everybody else seems to love getting up during the night with their children, but not you. You're terrible. top of my are you? Satan loves this. And what's the fruit? What do you feel? Guilt and condemnation. I'm a terrible mom. Here's what happens in that moment. And it happens subtly. You start to think that God the Father's assessment of you must be that as well. That you're a terrible mom. That you're really bad at what you do. I gave you these gifts and you do such a poor job. What's happened there? You've lost sight of the one who is in your boat to justify you. Moms, I have good news for you. You are not saved because of how good at motherhood you are. They have nothing to do with your salvation. You're not saved because of how well you parent these dear children. No, you are saved because of how well Jesus Christ did in your place. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are justified before the Father. And he says, I love you. You are my daughter and I sing over you. You are my delight. Not because of how well you parent your kids. But because of how well my son did in your place. Satan wants to draw your attention to how good a parent you are. Jesus wants to draw your attention to how good he was in your place. The Lord is always in your boat to justify you. Don't try and smuggle in parenting to salvation that is a work of grace. My observation of you mothers is you are wonderful mums. But my observation is Satan loves to remind you of the 2-3% things that you ain't getting right. And God wants to remind you of the 97% of things that you are getting right. As you treasure these children, as you try your best to serve them. But he also wants to remind you that your salvation is not based on anything to do with them. It is based on the 100% pass mark that his son achieved in your place. What a happy reality. Moms never move on from that. Otherwise, your affections for the Lord will go up and down depending on how well you think you're parenting. And it cuts both ways. Sometimes you'll think you're a really bad parent. Other times you'll think, I'm pretty good. I should write a book. Look at all the things I'm doing right. Look at them. Look at them. Aren't they models? See the way they were obedient to me there? (laughs) My experience, sadly... Is when that happens, at some point the Lord will send a storm your way where one of these kids decides, I don't even like you and I'm not interested in you. Don't let that happen. By God's grace, understand there's two different things going on here. I'm called a parent for the glory of the Lord, but I'm saved by His grace. And He sings over me because of His son, not because of how well I do as a mom. You know, your children are a wonderful gift from God to you. They are. But mums, you were never designed to do it alone. And that's why Jesus himself comes and sits in your boat. He's not going to let you do it by yourself. I mean, you can ignore him, I guess. You can just leave him in the boat and not chat to him. But he's right there to help you and aid you. The Lord is always in your boat to uphold you. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Always there. The Lord is ever-present to strengthen you. He's going to use your parenting of your children to parent you. He'll be at work in your life. And He is ever-present to justify you. To help you understand you're not saved because of your parenting. You're saved because of what Jesus Christ has done in your place. Listen, if the Lord didn't abandon you in the midst of his greatest storm, then he will surely not abandon you now. So be encouraged. Be comforted and strengthened. You are doing a good job. But here's our hope. It's the reality that the Lord is in your boat. Amen? Let's stand together and invite the band to come back up. I think the Lord would have us pray for all the mums here. I believe the Lord wants to minister you specifically. and So if you are a mum, if you can raise your hand. Some of them are still sitting down, I know. It takes a while to put your pens away. All right, all those mums around, don't let any mum be here, not with somebody around them, laying hands on them. So let's go, go around them. I'm going to pray in a moment. You can move. Andrew, you can come up. You can go down if you want. You can go down if you want to. Ladies, I trust you know the pleasure of God in you. Satan will tempt you to despair continually, tell you all the things that you should have done, tell you all the things that you shouldn't have done. But I believe God wants to remind you, you are doing a good job. These kids have been entrusted to exactly the right mom. It's not been an accident. This is always the way it was meant to be. And he's going to equip you for this task, whether your kids are six months old or 46 years old. You never stop being a mom. So let's pray and ask the Lord for his help. Lord, I do thank you for the lives of all of the moms here today. Oh, Lord, how precious they are in your sight. And we we know it because we see what you did for them at Calvary. How you died in their place because of your love and your affection for them. And then at the right time, you gave them the gift of children. Young lives made in your image. Made in the image of the Godhead. For them to mold and shape and to train in the way that they should go. Lord. May we never forget that these children aren't our children. They're yours. They're just in our lives for a time to mold and shape and steward. But ultimately, Lord, they're your children. Lord, I thank you then for the affection that you have towards these moms. As displayed not only through Calvary, but the reality that you not only died and then rose again, you got into their boats Aware of what they're walking through, watching their coming and going. Aware of the waves, they are never alone. And so, Lord, I just pray your blessing on them today. That they would know your nearness afresh today. They would know how you are upholding them and strengthening them and justifying them. Lord, I pray that they would know your smile on their lives today. And your pleasure in them as they care for children who are yours. Lord, use this season for your glory. But Lord, I thank you that your pleasure in these dear ladies is not in their parenting. Your pleasure is what your son has done in their place. That's what makes them forgiven and redeemed and justified and assured that heaven is their home. So Lord, would they know your smile on them as their perfect father. In Jesus' precious name.